Welcome back to another episode of Hawkset Podcast. I'm Ron Brown. Thank you for listening. Remember, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search Atlanta Hawks, Hawkset. You should be able to find it there. And also we're on Twitter, at Hawkset Pod. I'm joined tonight by uh, one of my faithful co-hosts, Kenny, holding us down from uh, up in D.C., but he's a lifetime Hawks fan. What's up, Kenny? How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. As always, as always. So we're recording this on Wednesday night, shortly after the Hawks defeated the Pistons 118-114 to 114 up in Detroit, uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a, a nitty-gritty win. It got close at the end, but since our last podcast, the Hawks are, are 6-1. and one. We uh, didn't know what direction the team was going to go. after You know, the All-Star break has been shaky. Jeff Teague hasn't played as well, but I don't know. Maybe they listen to the podcast because Jeff Teague has been balling. The shooting slump for Kyle Corver, uh, kind of, he's kind of got out of it. Al Horford has been balling. It's been great Hawks basketball to watch. It takes me back to last year a little bit. So uh, I guess let's talk about the Detroit game tonight first. Uh, I know you caught a little bit of it. What observations did you have from the Detroit game? Well, it showed three things that we've been seeing during this six and one streak. Number one, situational defense while we can take pride in the fact that we are you know 96.2 points per 100 possessions which is the best in the nba since january 1st i think what we can take pride in even more than that is the fact that our situational defense has been phenomenal now our clutch offense has not been really that good but at least situationally defense we have been playing excellent basketball now another thing that we can take from this is our two-headed monsters at point guard. They have finally came to play. Dennis Schroeder has showed that he's an exceptional point guard. We mentioned it in the last podcast, but now he's continuously showed us what he's bringing on the table. But the the great sleeper, the great debate right now is uh, the, who are the top point guards in the NBA? On that list, you should not leave out Jeff Teague. It, it, during the 6-1 stretch, Jeff Teague has played phenomenal basketball. And we're not just talking statistically either. We're talking about the fact that the guy, how he's running the offense, how he's playing defense, how he's playing team defense, how he's pretty much giving guys whoever's going against them some of their worst shooting nights, uh, 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 shooting nights that they, they, they seem to have. And you can say, well, it, it, it's also a testament to our team defense, but Jeff has been playing phenomenal. He's fighting through picks. He's doing the little things. He's making he's, – he's getting a lot of hockey assists. Jeff has excelled. And the third, th- and the third thing that we're seeing is – uh. Coach Bud, he's completely changed the script a little bit. I mean, we we start we saw how he's treated uh, Basemore. Basemore no longer is just deciding that I want to drop to the hole as whatever I want. Now Basemore is getting the ball after five, three seconds, three Mississippi, he passed the rock and then moves the ball. And what's happening is our ball movement is back. So we're seeing what you what you mentioned before the show, which is the old Hawks is coming back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, I don't know. They may not be all the way back, but we're seeing some play reminiscent of last year. And you talked about Jeff Teague, man. He's playing spirited basketball. He's playing assertive. We know Teague can kind of have some games where it's like, you know, what's up with this dude? And then you have games like tonight where nobody could guard him. He's getting to the hole with ease. He shot well from the free throw line, hit clutch free throws late in the game. And so, I mean, that's the Teague that we wanted. We always like to see, and of course, Schroeder is playing well as well. So that two-headed monster is uh, giving opposing backcourts nightmares just because they can beat anybody off the dribble and also shoot the ball pretty 
pretty well and, and distribute, do their job as a point guard. So real quick, I want to go back to, to the last podcast and, uh, and look at some predictions. I didn't expect us to kind of record so soon two weeks later, but let's kind of look back at what you and Michael uh, predicted on the last podcast and just kind of pay attention to um, the coming weeks, which is a couple of weeks ago. So Michael said he wanted to see what how Schroeder advances, and, of course, he's been doing well, and how hard the team plays. And we can answer those pretty easily. They've been playing hard. Schroeder is balling. You talked about Tim Hardaway. Chris Humphreys, and also Detroit and Washington uh, from a conference perspective. How will they look? And, of course, we played Detroit tonight and beat them. We played them one more time and also three games left with Washington. So we'll see how those kind of map out. What have you seen from Hardaway the past uh, couple weeks? What we've seen from Hardaway is consistent defense. We've seen him playing very good team defense. As far as individual, individual defense, he still has some work to do. I mean, we're seeing him play tough, aggressive defense. He's, he's constantly his main, constantly using the energy to fight through screens, and he's doing everything that we is, we want him to do. But there's still certain things that we need to see as far as, as I mentioned, in his development or in his development. For him, it's not so much maturation. He is, he is mature mentally, but it's just for him knowing how to do it. It's for us showing him this is how it's done. And I think once we're able to show him and, and, he, and he can implement it, he, he'll be fine. So I'm very impressed with uh, – with Hardaway. I don't necessarily look so much as offensive prowess yet. I think that's something I want to focus on next year. But this year, I want to see consistent defense. We know what he can do offensively. He can, he can shoot the ball pretty well. He's a long, rangy wing, but they play, play in bud system. You got to be able to at least play team defense. So like you said, that's something we'll watch as he develops in the coming year or two. So uh, let's, let's keep it rolling. Talking about defense. Um, of course, advanced statistics show the Hawks are top one or two um, battling with the San Antonio Spurs when it comes to team defense and defensive efficiency. And that's kind of been a key to the wins the past few weeks and, and throughout the season, even though the team has struggled at points. With that team defense, do you think that can carry on throughout the season and the playoffs, or is that going to uh, ebb and flow kind of like, like the other facets of the game? I feel like offense might be a little inconsistent. Uh, there's going to be times where it's going to, it's not going to be there. But defensively, I think it could continue because the one thing I've said this defense does better than just about anybody I've seen in the last almost 20 years is they guard the pick and roll and cover space just as well as anyone I've ever seen. I mean, people talk about Detroit basketball, but Atlanta defense is reminiscent of Detroit in a sense that they do something extremely well and they, and they, what they do well, no one can replicate it. Detroit, what that defense, what they did was they suffocated you when it came to trying to drop to the hole, and they forced you to say, you know what, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us outside of this square, outside of the square. And they made it impossible for teams to beat them. What this Hawk team is doing is uh, this Hawk team beats you on hustle plays. They beat you on getting, on recovering quick on pick and rolls. They have bigs who cover a lot of space. They have bigs who have active hands. They block shots just as good as anybody. I mean, they're one of three teams that have blocked uh, six shots per game in 2016. They're one of three teams that have done that six, six shots per game. And the one thing that's really special and really amazing about what they do defensively is they, they're just all over. They swarm. They completely swarm. Baysmore has finally used his energy, and he's finally put it to, to in, a, in a sense where he can play at a high level. Tablet Sephalosha, for the 20 minutes he plays a game, 
He's constantly a pest. I mean, we saw what he did to Paul George. That block shot on Paul George might be one of the best defensive plays we've seen from the Hawks in years. So what we're seeing now defensively, it can't continue. The numbers are not fluke. These guys really do play phenomenal defense collectively. And it's not just the starters. It's not like the last year where it was the starters. This year, it is the entire team. One through ten can defend. I like how it sounds. One through ten can defend. One through ten can defend. So that's in, uh, in the Kenny coach book uh, coming soon to, to Amazon.com ebook, which are, which are coaching. One through ten must defend. Yeah, I mean, that's key. I, I believe as good as as much as you need that one-on-one defender, if your team can can move, if they can move their feet, if they can defend all type of, of teams when you got a, a Cleveland where you surround LeBron with a lot of shooters or, or you know, different teams around the league who do that, even tonight with, with the Pistons where you got Drummond and they surround him with shooters. We play pretty good defense. They shot the ball pretty well early in the game, but – you know, we were able to contain Drummond and, and hack him to make him shoot free throws, and, and that strategy worked pretty well. So, yeah, the team defense, I mean, I, I'm optimistic that it'll be, it'll be great. It has been the one constant this year. So, if anything you want to be constant at is that and just hope it doesn't come down to late-game situations where we don't have an option, <laughs> as we've said uh, a few times before. <laughs> go go ahead and look back at the 6-1, and one, man. Uh, since our last podcast, we recorded right before the uh, Hawks played the Lakers which our podcast came out March 3rd, I believe, March 3rd or the 4th. But before that Lakers game, which is March 4th, they won that game 106-77. to Beat the Clippers the next night 107-97. Went all over to Utah. Beat uh, former Hawks coach Quinn Snyder 91-84 against the Jazz. Then took an L to Toronto. Came back home last Saturday against Memphis and won. The blowout win against uh, Indiana Sunday, and then of course tonight, the win against uh, the Pistons. I mean, are, were you surprised at this, at this great run? I mean, thinking about how we talked about the team not so glowingly in our last podcast, or were you surprised, or was it, was it kind of expected? I, I said they can win the next five games, but I was thinking from the standpoint that they're streaky. I wasn't. I was thinking that we were going to shoot so hot that we were going to win games just off of that. We were just going to have that offensive display. Baseball was going to just show up. Jeff Teague was going to play hard. And, you know, it was just going to be just, you know, us playing at at, at, the peaks, at peaks and valleys. But what they've shown me is their defense has gotten better. And we really have to – we have to go to the point that um, Steezy said last week, which was – Hey, Chris Humphreys can make a serious impact in Atlanta. And it was something that he mentioned in passing. And ever since he's been here, with the exception of maybe tonight and maybe even another night, he's been a he's been very high on the plus and minus chart. And I think there was an article in the Peachtree Hoops which which talks about Chris Humphreys' improvement and development. And it talks about the fact that he he's averaging, you know, 17.5 minutes, eight, 7.8 points, as well as 4.7 rebounds per game. And the one thing Coach Bud mentions is the biggest thing we're feeling is his rebounding ability. And, you know, he doesn't just talk about rebounding from the standpoint that we know it as, it's, okay, just getting the board. He talks about the overall aspect of rebounding, which is, you know, he lays his body on guys. He's able to finish possessions. 
He's he's constantly boxing out. He's constantly battling. He's tough nosed. Little things like that give so much momentum to a team when you can keep the possession alive on offense. I mean, we saw it tonight. That's part of the reason why we beat Detroit in the second in the, in the fourth quarter. Was we we kept getting these second chance opportunities on the offensive end, and those little things matter. And I think that just having Humphreys here, it kind it he he brings something. Uh, he brings a combination of Pirovich and Damari Carroll. Not that he's bringing what they bring ability wise, but just he brings that that mental edge. He brings that fight that tenacity that we just haven't had all year. And I think that we were missing that. That was something that I think showed a, a major hand in it our, uh, in our uh, lack of success. So I don't think our 6-1 and one record is as much of a, uh, a fluke as I was presuming it was going to be when I said it a couple weeks ago. I really feel like this team is can, can continue to play at this level. And you remember, remember how last year we came up with is this team peaking? And uh, it was February. We were all asking, is this team peaking? Is this is the best it's going to get? And right. we obviously saw that it was the case. We were peaking. I think yes. this year we're peaking at the right time. I think we're peaking going right into the playoffs. And I do feel like we are the team with, 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 with Charlotte who you just do not want to see in the playoffs. Yeah, I think we, we probably kind of coasted the last uh, – after that win streak. But uh, this year, I mean, it's better to be – you know, still playing strong late into the season with only 14 games left. You got to bring it. But, I mean, back to Humphreys, man. We talked about what rebounding was the last podcast. Just, you know, simply things that it's not about size or ability or anything. It was just basketball fundamentals. Put your, Like you said, just uh, feel your man, box him out. And the Peachtree Hoops article definitely pointed that out, showed some clips of Humphreys not only boxing his man out but playing a solid post defense. So, like you said, he brings what we need. And also – Something that he added to his repertoire in the offseason um, with Washington was the three-point shot. He wasn't a three-point shooter. Uh, they felt they needed to stretch the floor a little bit more, and he added th- the three to his repertoire, and it's helped us out a little bit. I know he's hit – I believe he's hit one in in every game, pull up his numbers real quick. So yeah, It really didn't help Washington do too much. I, I went to the Wizards games. I go to a, a good number of them. And it really didn't help Washington out too much, but for Atlanta, it's a, it's great. It's completely helping us out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, off the bench, I mean, you bring you bring a guy like Mike Scott who mainly shoots the ball. Then you got a guy with Humphreys to kind of complement that a little bit. So yeah, of course Humphreys. He only he's made a three in his last three games. So hey, doesn't shoot a lot of them, but you got to respect it a little bit if he's wide open. So definitely, definitely glad something. to have him. This is something I have to ask you. Do you think Humphreys? I mean, we only seen him in, we only seen him for like seven games. But do you think Humphreys is a player that we must bring back next year? I believe so. Yeah, I don't know what kind of money he'll command, but you know, even if it's a two-year deal, I really, I mean, I've never really gotten to the salary type stuff. But if it's a two-year deal, you bring a guy like Humphreys back, a strong bench piece. He's cerebral. He's the type of a big man in the Hawks need, and you don't need to carry. You know, I was I was really about, hey, we need a, a shot blocking center, but a guy like Chris Humphries can work for us. I mean, he's he rebounds, he shoots, he's solid, he does what he does, plays minutes off the bench. That's what you need. I, I think he's a guy that he has to be a high priority to bring back. I would agree with that notion. 
I think it's amazing. You know, we talk, we always talk about shot blocking and how much of a need it is, but yeah, we have the two, we have two top 10 shot blockers on the team right now and Al Horford and, and Paul Millsap. So, <laughs> and you know, no one mentions it, but I, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that they're top 10 in the league. Yes. Both of them. Wow. And for point guard position, Jeff Teague's one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. Yeah, Al Horford is at number 13, and Millsap is tied for 17 with Robin Lopez. So, yeah, they block over the shot again. They must have dropped in the last couple weeks, yeah. yeah. But it's still, you know, high clip. And there's they no Hassan Whiteside or DeAndre Jordan or Gobert, but, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they're, they're not. They're, we, I, no one's going to mistake them for exceptional shot blockers. Right. Right. So, I mean, as we as we kind of – Round it up. Any other topics that you may want to bring up about this team for the next couple of weeks until we reconvene or any observations or any more yeah. predictions you might want to make? You weren't, you didn't do too bad uh, in the past couple of weeks. So. Yeah, I do have a prediction. I mean, the prediction is I think we're going to continue to hot play. There's a couple of games that I worry about. I worry about the Milwaukee game. I mean, we're seeing Giannis Antetokounmpo play point guard, and he's been exceptional playing the position. And we struggle so much with wings. I mean, even tonight we struggle with the wings of uh of Detroit. So it's a game that I kind of worry about a little bit. I'm not too worried about the Wizards. The Wizards coming up, and most definitely not Houston. And Denver, Denver's been very inconsistent. They're starting to play young guys anyway. I guess they're trying to tank. So I don't think that's going to be too difficult for us. But most definitely, I probably say Milwaukee. And I think we all look forward to the uh, big game March 30th between Toronto and Atlanta and Toronto. I think that game in Toronto we played just recently, it kind of gave us the idea that, hey, we're just as good as Toronto. We just got to close them out. And I think the game that comes up is going to tell us what we need to know in the playoffs if Toronto and Atlanta is, is, a, is a series that we must, you know, it's a must watch. So those yeah. are game, those two games I look forward to in the, in the upcoming weeks. But I, I feel like we can, um, we can continue the hot streak. I mean, this is the East is becoming the new West, where every we, every game matters, and that that wasn't the case last year or the year before, but it's the case now. Yeah, yeah, the East has definitely stepped stepped up uh, from top to bottom, pulling up the standings right now. The Pistons are sitting at eighth at thirty four and thirty four with the Bulls and the Wizards uh, just out of contention. Uh, Bulls are thirty three and thirty three, Wizards thirty two and thirty five. So things could definitely change, and then you got Indiana. Sitting at thirty six and thirty one and seven, so we may see those four teams flip flop between now and then. And and I I think Toronto doesn't want to see Chicago make it, cause they uh Chicago gives Toronto problems. So that two seven, or even if Toronto goes uh goes to number one, as of right now the Hawks would play. Well, we're both 39-29, but Hawks would play the Celtics. So what do you think about that perspective matchup? Say the playoffs started today, scared of the Celtics uh -huh. or? I think Celtics are going to get beat swept. Mm. I don't think much about the Celtics. I think they're the worst team in the playoffs right now. Wow. I felt like they, they were winning games because they were sneaking up on people with their hard work, their effort, their defensive determination. But they clearly have some weaknesses. And their biggest weakness and, – and, yeah, they have some injuries too. They're playing with a little bit of injuries. But they were also really healthy in the beginning of the year too. But the biggest weakness I see with this, uh, this team – is they're very they're very offensively porous. Now we're offensively porous too, but we're starting to play better offensively. We're starting to you know play to our level that we expect to play offensively. We're starting to figure things out. 
But teams in the first half of the year didn't really figure out what Boston was doing. They were like, okay, are they like Atlanta last year? Like, who is this team? But they were realizing this year, this team, well, Boston is a, they're a team that mainly scores off of dribble drives with uh, Evan Turner and with Isaiah Thomas. So if you cut out the dribble drives, you can pretty much shut down what Boston does. Defensively, they're great as far as perimeter defenders. You know, they, 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 they give you a combination of Jay Crowder. They give every Bradley Jr., Marcus Smart, who are some exceptional defenders. I mean, these guys are going to be great defenders for years to come. But the biggest issue is in today's NBA, you got to be all around. And I know that's what that's something that, um, you know, Stevens is trying to develop, but it's very difficult. And I think the, 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 the card is out on Stevens. Stevens likes to go through these wholesale substitution patterns, and people are starting to figure it out now. So I think people are starting to get a read on what Stevens is doing, like they got a read on what Bud was doing at the end of, in the second half of last year. And I think that they peaked. Yeah. So, well, so let's, let's keep an eye on the Celtics. Um especially if they can get their guys back healthy. Jay Crowder, I know he's going to be out for a little bit uh, with the ankle. I don't think they're going to be at the fifth seed. I think they're going to finish at, at six or seven. Six or I, seven. So that will put them around probably playing. They probably will still play us. They were at yeah, six. they could. Yeah. We, we may go into the three. We're tied with we, uh, right behind. It's tough. It's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah, it's going to be some, some definitely some – I believe you know three through eight can definitely flip flop, but definitely three through six is up. No one, we didn't we didn't mention it yet, but let's let's be honest. The Joe Johnson move was a phenomenal move. It was an absolutely phenomenal move, and it is paying dividends. Yeah, they put uh, Hassan Whiteside on the bench, and and things look good in Miami. Miami is a team I think that's going to be a, a team to watch in the playoffs. Just because of what they bring. They only a team to watch because of Joe Johnson. Before I had them going out in the first round. Mm, So Joe Johnson is – well, of course, he's played well. He's played well, but he's that big. You got to remember what Joe Joe does is Joe's – Joe's situational. I said the best thing – the best the the thing I missed the most about Joe and the reason why we wanted him so bad, we all wanted him, is because situationally there's not not too many players better than him. I mean – he might just be a better situational player than LeBron James. Now, of course, he's nowhere close to LeBron overall, impact-wise, but especially at his age. But Joe is situationally solid. I mean, he always finds a way to make the big shot. Always finds a way to make the big steal. The big. He just finds a way to make that situational play. It's like him and Paul Pierce just had that that neck. But yeah, definitely I think that's yeah, what def- the Hawks definitely need a guy like that next season. Yeah, we <laughs> most. Be Joe, but we need that closer. Those guys are hard to find, so let's not. Oh, let's yeah, not yeah. even. Let's not. We we do need someone that we can count on offensively, and I mean, that's for us to get over that hump, to get over that proverbial Cleveland hump. We have to get a number one option some kind of way. He doesn't even have to start. He just needs to be a number one option that comes off the bench, and we yeah. can get that. That might just be what we need. I mean, shoot, if we can get like a Jamal Crawford who fits what we do, that would be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. But uh, but um, I guess we have to wait till next season and off season to see uh, which which way we go that way. So uh, I mean, that'll just about wrap it up for us at the Hawk Set Podcast. Thanks again, Kenny, for coming on and, and chopping it up. As always, talking Hawks basketball. We'll be back in a couple weeks to look back on the games the Hawks have played and some of the discussion we had as well. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. Follow the podcast, 
Hawksat Pod on Twitter. And uh, keep cheering for the Hawks. Keep checking us out. Peace. Peace.